0: All right, so how many of you guys ever been to um, a fine dining establishment? and I don't mean like Daniels or um, Blue Tractor or um what's that place that closed down in Fremont? I don't even uh, yeah yeah, that place. <laughs> yeah, anyway, how many of you guys ever been to a fine dining place like okay, so a few of you have been to a fine dining. okay, so what is it about fine dining that? people are attracted to you always see these you know people on like social media they show you a picture of their plate and like i don't really care what your plate looks like i just want to know what it tastes like if it tastes good then i'll eat it but you know they get this weird stuff all in here and then they got some weird sauce i'm like what does it taste like i don't care what it looks like that's just me but fine dining has a has a certain um air about it right haughty toddy snooty that kind of mentality right and But what do you get? You go there and it's the table setting, it's the seating, it's the food, it's the music, it's the ambiance, it's the, the, the waitstaff, it's the bill, it's the, uh, it's the things that go along. With it. It's the finer things in life that go with fine dining. If you've ever been to a five-star restaurant, it's, in, it's incredible what they will do and what they bring you and what they give to you. And it's like, I don't need 12 rolls. But, you know, they, uh, they're, they're replacing your water every, you know, you get down about that far and there's somebody replacing your water. You're like, can I drink the glass first? And you're just like, I want to drink this glass. This water tasted good. Don't replace my water on this one. But there's something about fine dining that is when you go, you know you're going to be well taken care of, right? You know that you're going to get um, the best um, waiter and waitresses. They don't hire schmucks to be five-star dining waiter and waitresses. They know they picked the cream of the crop to do that. And you go in expectation of everything being what? Not, eh, it was good enough. You expect it to be what? Excellent. You expect excellence when you go to five-star restaurants and and when you go to five-star dining. You expect it to be top top of the shelf. You don't expect to go and be like, you know, walk up. What you want, hon? You know, well, I'll have the filet mignon. You want fries with that? No, they're not going to ask you that. They're not going to ask you that. And the waiter is not going to call you hun at a five-star restaurant. So Sarah and I went out last night, and we went and we picked this restaurant, and we're like, we're going to go. It was the best place in the area, and we're like, we're going to go. It is fi- it's fine dining. We're going to go. It, you know, I looked at the pictures, it lo- yeah, it was Arby's, no, um, it, it, there was filet mignon, we're like, I'm like, looking at the pictures of it, it looks so good, like, the tables look nice, the plates look nice, like, not the, what's on the plate, but the plate, I'm like, that's a really nice plate, I'm like, I don't even have plates that nice, um, you know, the plate looked nice, what was on the plate looked nice, the people eating looked happy and smiling, like, okay, this is the be- you know, so we're like, oh, we're going to go there, and so we planned it, and we planned it. Now I want you to imagine, what was the temperature yesterday? Way too hot. So it was, it was almost 90 degrees. We, it was about 6 o'clock we rolled in. And we were, ro- we were coming through, and it got, we were getting farther from the lakeshore. And it went from like 80 to 82, 83, 84. By the time we got downtown, it was 86 degrees. We're like, yes, this is going to be great. We're gonna go there, we're gonna get food. And so we go, we open the door and we walk in. And we're like, wow, it's really nice in here. And then we're like, but it's really hot in here. Either their air wasn't working or they decided to not let their air work. Um, Either way, it was not a fine dining establishment at that point. So, when you go to a place, you expect the atmosphere to be inviting. When I step through that door, we're like, this is not inviting. I'm like, the food might be great, but I don't want to sit in 86 degree weather inside and eat food. I don't want to go into a sauna with a popsicle. You're not eating much of that popsicle. So, you plan for something and you're like it's going to be great we're going to go there we're going to get everything we want and it's going to be good you know and you get in there and the atmosphere changes or it doesn't change it's the same as it is outside and you're like wow this is not a nice restaurant and like we walked in we looked at each other like nah and we just turned around and walked out it wasn't that because the restaurant was bad I was watching the people, they were all smiling and eating their food, but they were sweating while they were eating their food. And I don't want to sit in sweat and eat my food. Because I don't know if they've over it or if it's the sweat dripping into the food. You know, I, I don't know. Anyway, sorry. But trying to eat in a super uncomfortable atmosphere where it's not like you're, uh, you're like, oh, hold on, I'm sticking to the tablecloth and you have to peel your arm off or peel your back off the chair is not an experience we all want to have if we're paying that price, right? You don't want to uh, pay the, the five-star price and get the and get the, I'm camping next, to the, next to, uh, to the fire sticking on my canvas chair feel to it, Right? We pay for camping and we pay for five star we pay for five star. I'm not gonna eat really good food while I'm sticking to my chair. But it made me start to think about this and and we have to start to become like the finer places. And I don't mean the way we talk, the way we do things, but we have to start to become like the finer places. Um When you go to that restaurant, people walk in and you can usually see, like my wife is a weird napkin person. She likes the nice napkins and she, yes, she will go back to a restaurant that has nice napkins. But when you walk in and you're sitting there eating, you don't expect the brown recycled napkins at a five-star restaurant, right? You expect a cloth napkin. You expect something of a little higher caliber than the Taco Bell recycled napkins, right? <laughs> right. So, but we have to become like the finer places. We have to, in our, in our lives, we have to start to create a place where people see the difference. Like when we walk into that restaurant, you see the difference. There's not just a table. There's a table with what? Tablecloth, yes. If you don't know what that is, it's basically like a curtain on a table. Um, <laughs> sorry, but we have to start to to become that in our lives for people to see. And I'm not saying when people come over, get the, t- the tablecloth off, and go, "Here you go, here's the cloth." Tablecloth. No, in our lives, we have to start to become the finer places. We have to create an atmosphere in our homes that create a difference in the people that step into our homes, into our lives that step into our lives. If our lives and our families and, our, and, and the house that we live in, the atmosphere is out of order, people won't come into the home, right? Like we went to Jim and Denise's a couple weeks ago and, it, and, and like Denise When you go over her house, it's not like, hey, what can we bring? She's like, I've made enough for four families to come over. She is like, she loves to host people. So she's got everything you can think of. And she remembers what you've had the year before when you were there. And she gets those because she knows that you like them. She's like, told my daughter, she goes, I got you the sweet potato, potato chips, because I knew you liked those. She remembered those things. But what does it do? It created a place of, oh my gosh, I feel valued like, they remember me. She remembered those things. She knows those things. Like, I know that she's thinking about us when we're going to go spend time. She's thinking about that time. And she is paying attention to the things. No, the sermon is not all about Denise, but I'm just saying is That makes people feel like they're valued and they're welcomed, right? When, they, when someone knows what you like or what you have, and they don't even ask you, hey, do you want this, but they have it for you, it makes you feel valued. So when when we create the finer things in our life, in our home, you can have hot dogs, but still create a finer thing because what it does is it creates an atmosphere for people to come in and feel valued, welcome, and then when they feel that way, what happens is we can start to have conversations and start to have moments of change in our lives. If you don't have times where you go to people's houses and something is changed when you walk away it's probably not a good relationship or it's a surface relationship like when we go to their house i I love going to their house because what do we do we pray before we leave we pray with each other we ask each other what's going on in life what's what's happening and we pray for each other we need to create that in our homes and our lives so that when we have people in our house what's good john will drive up to our house on his quad what's going on today What's God saying? What's God doing? Besides, you know, here, here's some chicken or here's some random stuff. You know. like he will come into our yard and say, "What is God doing?" And we have those little moments, even if it's ten minutes. Sometimes it's them driving up, and an hour and a half later, when they said they had to go in ten minutes, we have that conversation. But something changes in the atmosphere. Something changes in uh, both of our lives that the connection is there, and it's made. And it can become sustained. But when our families are, and our lives and our households are out of order, and they're crazy, and the atmosphere is just chaotic, do you want to go into a a house where kids are running around and the parents are screaming at them, "Johnny, sit down, go to your," you know, you don't want to do that, right? You don't want to go to that atmosphere because it's chaotic and people are screaming at their kids and they're they're yelling at them and they're like, you're like, oh, this is really weird. You ever, you've been to that, you've been to that household, right? And you're eating dinner and they're screaming at their kids and you're like, is it time for us to go? I don't know yet. Like, and so that atmosphere throws everything off. But what it does is it doesn't feel comfortable. It doesn't pick up the culture of heaven. And people don't find value in going back, right? Right? There's some people that you have over and you're like, yep, you're not coming back to my house. And then there's some people that come to your house and are like, we're not going back to that house, right? It, it all is about the culture that we create in our homes, in our lives, in our families. Creating that, fi- that finer place where it is so well taken care of and it's so refined that when people come in, like, this is the best experience I've ever had with this. When I go to their house, I feel like I'm taken care of. Right? Does that make sense to you guys? But when things are crazy, people come into the house and go, I don't want to recreate this. I don't want to have this in my home. I don't want to have this in my life. I want something different than that. And so they'll find somewhere else to go. Sometimes... When we start, we're at the Taco Bell refinement, and then we get to the Arby's refinement. And then sometimes it's like, hey, you know, just please don't ever get to the Blind Squirrel refinement. It's just don't ever get to that. Okay. Um, but then you get to the, the five-star. You get to the, the five-star steakhouses, the steakhouses that you have to wear a suit coat to get into in some of these re- places. Like, do you guys ever go to Mackinac Island and you stay at the Grand Hotel— That is like the ultimate level of refinement. You don't go, this is unacceptable dress after like six o'clock. They will ask you to put a suit coat on or they will give you a suit coat that you can borrow until dinner is done with. You don't walk into that place looking like this. This is a bum to them. This is dressed up for me. Just saying. But, there's a level of refinement that, and an expectation that is carried at that restaurant and that hotel that you don't just wander around in sweatpants and a t-shirt. There's a level that is expected and carried. And I think we need to do that in our own home, in our lives and our families. There's a level that we are expected to carry and we will carry that. Like my girls know, you don't go to the town in pajama pants and a shirt you slept in the night before. You will not go out of the house like that. You will put pants on. Like my, my daughter's got one pair of sweatpants, and I'm like, girl, you ain't wearing those out in public. But she knows that that level is always there, that you have to look good when you're not going to look like you just woke up and rolled out of bed. You guys ever have been sick, and you wake up, and you've worn the same pair of clothes for two days? Think of it that way. Would you go out in the same pair of clothes you've been sick in for two days and go out to dinner in those? No, you probably wouldn't. But there's a level of expectation in our house that this is, we're going to carry something in our, in our family. We're going to carry this. We're going to live this way because this is what we've set as a standard, right? You set standards in your home and you make the atmosphere a place where people can live up to that standard, not like forcing them to, well, you're going to do this and you're going to do this. No, you create it so they can grow into that standard. You know, my daughters, when they're two, running around in a princess nightgown doesn't carry on into 16 and 17 and 18. They don't get to do that. There's a, it, it'd be too short and <laughs> it's not a standard. And when they're two, it's a standard. That's what they wear everywhere. <laughs> Whether you want to dress them or anything or, or not? They're still wearing the the princess nightgown over top of everything that you give them because that's what they wear. Don't know why, but that's what they wear. But creating that standard standard in our households, in our personal lives, saying we're going to meet this standard, we're not going to go below this, we're not going to try to go even close to it. We're going to create the standard, and when you do that, it creates a place where people want to be in your life, in your home, in your kids' lives, in your places of operation they want to be there I read somewhere that if we want to create that standard in our life we want to create the standard of heaven in our life we need to said it said this it says make every necessary adjustment to replicate the atmosphere of heaven in your homes and in your lives I thought that was pretty powerful Do everything necessary to recreate the atmosphere of heaven in your homes. That's a lot of trash that has to be taken out to do that, right? It's a lot of garbage that needs to be removed. It's a lot of adjustments. Little adjustments, big adjustments. If we're not making micro-adjustments on our lives daily, things start to fail. We have to make adjustments. Sometimes we have to make big adjustments. Sometimes we have to make little adjustments, Sometimes it's just doing something different, saying, no, this is not creating a place where the Holy Spirit wants to be. And That's the thing is, the Holy Spirit is always present with us. But when we create that, those spots and those times and those moments in the atmosphere in our home, the Holy Spirit wants to be there all the time. It's not, gr- it's not grieving to him to have to sit there and, and see what is going on. So, you guys want to turn to John chapter 20. So, a lot of people read this, but they don't talk about this the right way. This is when Jesus appeared to his disciples. Well, this wasn't just one time. Jesus actually appeared twice to them. And people don't really discuss that. They always say Jesus appeared to his disciples and blah, blah, blah. Well, it's actually twice. So, Chapter 20, verse 19 of John says, On the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this and showed them his hands, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Instantly. He said, Peace be with you. And he showed them the hands. The moment they they saw that, the atmosphere changed, right? Right? Something changed. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They were afraid of the Roman leaders. They were afraid of being dragged off and crucified or dragged off and killed. But when they saw the Lord, they were overjoyed. So it immediately it went from fear to an overfilling, an overflowing joy. And then in verse 21, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit and and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So now, verse 24, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. So second time. But he said to them, Unless I can see the nail marks in his hands put my finger where they were and see the, put my hand in the side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here in my hands and reach out with your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, And Jesus said to them in verse 29, he says, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and believed. So think about this. You have disciples, they're hiding in the upper room. Jesus shows up the first time and says, peace be with you. What happens? Peace enters the room. They become overjoyed. The atmosphere changed when Jesus entered the room. When he declared and started to prophesy things over them, he said, hey, peace be with you. He didn't say, you have peace. He said, peace be with you. They had to receive that, right? It wasn't something that just—I think so many times we we take Jesus, and Jesus says these things, and it just instantly happens. Well, here's the thing is, God can say something to us, but until we receive it, it will not happen. So when Jesus says, peace be with you, the disciples actually had to be, be able to receive and willing to receive that peace, and I think they were to be able to see their, their Lord and their Master. So the moment Jesus said, peace be with you, they were so willing to receive peace that they accepted it and they became overjoyed. Not, oh, thank you, Jesus is here. No, they were so overjoyed. Overjoyed doesn't mean like, hey, we've got a little bit of joy. Overjoyed means I have so much joy, I don't know what to do with it all. It means it's overflowing. But think about this. Jesus stepped into the room twice. He stepped into the room and brought the change in the atmosphere with him. It went from a, uh, the first time it went from a uh, a fear-based hiding, and the next it was peace and joy. And the next time it was locked room, we know Jesus is alive, but doubt and fear to belief and peace. And so when we look at that, when we look at that room, it went from a place of hiding to a place of gathering. It, didn't, it wasn't just like, oh, well, we've got to stay here. No, it went from a place of hiding, we've got to hide here because we're going to get killed, to a place of let's gather together. Yes, we're going to lock the door, but we're going to gather together. It doesn't say that they were in fear again. It says that they gathered together. So what happened was is this, is when Jesus showed up the first time, he set the tone for the atmosphere. He set the tone of this is how it's going to be when my people gather together. I'm going to take it from fear to joy and peace. Peace. And the second time, it doesn't say they were gathered together hiding going, oh no, I don't know what's going to happen. What do we do? Thomas is like, I don't know, everything's bad. We're going to, you know that the, the Thomas was that way. He was like the negative Nancy of the disciples. Like he said, I can't see it. I don't believe it. So Thomas is, is doubtful that he's, what they said is actually true. I mean, a- a- after like five, six, seven of them say the exact same thing, you would start to kind of think, he would believe what they saw. They're like, well, did you have some bad, bad bread and wine that night? You know, he's, he's trying to, in his mind, figure out why they keep saying this, and he doesn't believe them. But Jesus shows up the second time, and he removes all doubt from the room. He's like, I'm finalizing this. I'm gonna, he goes, we're going to solidify this. Anybody who doesn't believe I'm alive, that was part of my group. Now you're going to believe I'm alive. So Jesus, he, he chases out fear the first time. Then he chases out doubt the first time. But what does he do? Is he creates something in that group of people, but also in that place that is not a place of hiding and fear, but it's a place of rejoicing, celebration, and gathering, and people want to be there. Because here's the thing is they were in there multiple times. This wasn't just a place to hide out. This is a place where Jesus shows up, Shows up again, deals with some things, and later on the Holy Spirit shows up and does His work. So what what did God do? God started the foundation, started with a bunch of scared guys. Jesus shows up, changes the atmosphere, changes the atmosphere again, and then it becomes a place that is so open to the Holy Spirit showing up that He comes and He fills them with tongues, and they're talking like a bunch of gibberish to other people that don't understand what's going on. So Jesus literally recreated a room to become a place to be able to receive what God is doing. He changed the atmosphere within the group of people in his family and his household. In his house, in the physical place that they were, he changed it. it does, the, the, the physical place will not change unless the spiritual changes in us. The household won't change until we start to change something in us. The, the, the atmosphere of peace, the atmosphere of joy and love will not show up until we start. In, it won't show up and rest in that place until we change it in us. Is that making sense? We have to start to create that in our families. Whether we have adult families, ch- kids that are living at home, little ones, if we start to focus on that is how we are going to live, it's going to change the families that show up in our house. A place of fear and doubt can get, and now become a place of rejoicing and gathering in our lives. When we create those atmospheres in our homes and our lives, people come into them and they can be refreshed. His disciples didn't go out from those two different meetings with Jesus originally. They go, man, I don't know what we're going to do now. I don't know about this. They didn't go out with doubt. They left being refreshed. Jesus showed up in the room and he said, peace be with you. Peace. When peace comes into our life, it doesn't just leave us, come in and go. It refreshes us. It gives us confidence. It gives us a, a confidence that we know God is who He says He is. So when we create that in our homes and our lives, people come into our homes, come into our lives, and they become refreshed. You ever talk to someone? You ever had a coworker? And no matter what is happening, like they could have won the lottery. It's like, well, all those taxes, I got to pay on it. I'm just like, you know, you work with people and it's like there's never anything good even when it's like, hey, it's Friday and it's 4.59. Well, the weekend's going to start. It's like working with Eeyore. (laughs) Well, it looks like rain today. That kind of reminds me of like, Like, I I swear they gave that donkey John Wayne's voice. And when we create an atmosphere of, well, I don't know what's going to happen today. It could rain. Well, if it rains, it rains. We have to start to look at it and say, how do I create an atmosphere of joy and peace in our home? So many people want to create a place of, of, of peace and joy, but they want it with rules to go along with it. Well, it can only be joyful this time of the day, and it has to be peaceful this time of the day, and I can only have this if my kids are doing this. No. Peace in a home and joy in a home don't really follow man's regulations and rules. We facilitate what God has given to us. If he gives us joy, we facilitate that. But when people come into the home, are they being, into our lives and into our homes, are they becoming refreshed? Do they come back and go, man, that was just great. Like, I want to go back there. I want to go back to Denise and Jim's house. They got some great snacks, but I love hanging out with them. That isn't the reason I go back. Snacks are great, but I go back to have fellowship with them because we come away from it, we're refreshed. When John Adonis come down to our house, it's, it's a blast. Like, you have fun talking about the stupidest things sometimes, but when you leave, it's like, that's why I love them, because they're amazing people, and they're great neighbors. And you can just go and talk and go sit on their new furniture, you know, bring a bucket of beef liver down, you know. I mean, you never know what's going to come down. But, no, I, I'm dead serious. You, you had to be there. Yeah. You had to been there Friday. So, um, yeah. So, but you never know. It's always something, but it's refreshing, because you know that someone cares for you, and you know that that person, and you care for them. And you can have conversations that sometimes you may not agree on, but it's not a breaking point. So when we create a place where people can be refreshed, they're comfortable. The culture is easy to pick up. If they're comfortable, it's easier for them to understand how to flow in that. So if someone was going to teach you how to, to interpret dreams, like Sarah's going to do, and you got to our house, and we decided not to put our dogs out for a week, and there was just random spots of whatever laying around the house, how comfortable would that be for you to be able to receive and hear from Sarah? (laughs) First of all, Sarah would probably be, wouldn't even be alive. She'd be outside. I can't deal with this, Um, but it would never get to that point, but think about it. How comfortable would that be if she said, well, we're going to have a seat on the couch, brush whatever that is off the side, and we're going to talk about this, it would be very uncomfortable, right? You'd be like, what, is she slipping? <laughs> like, what, what, what is Sarah doing? Because Sarah, there's an expectation of this is how the house will be. And when people come over, she wants them to be comfortable. She wants them to be able to receive, so she's not going to be like, you know, a bunch of folding chairs. Hey, grab a chair and figure out where you're going to sit. She's going to prepare that place for them. And what happens is when she prepares that place for them, it's easy to pick up the culture. It's easy to pick up what she is laying down. It's easy to pick up what she is teaching so you can implement it in your life. And what happens is you find value in that. You find a value in that when you're taken care of You know, we could have church with no seats, and you guys could all just, you know, hop on the floor, and we could all sit around like, you know, in the 70s, and everybody could listen. But no, it's not comfortable. Some of you are like, my knees, my back, you know, whatever. You're like, I can't receive because I can't feel my legs. How are you going to receive if you're not comfortable? But when when you come into a home— or you come into someone's life and you say, well, it's comfortable there, you find value and it's easy to receive from them because you're not having to worry about all the other stuff, right? And you find a value in that and you want to go back. But the great thing about that, when we create that in our lives and they listen and they hear, it allows them to be able to recreate that in their own lives. So for us, as parents, we want our kids to recreate what we've done, but even better than what we've done, right? We want our kids to create a household of peace in their own lives when they get married and when they have kids, but we want them to do it better than we did. We want them to do a better job of of creating um, joy and peace and love in their home. But we have them for a certain amount of time to help create that inside of them so they go out with that. So when we create that atmosphere in our homes, it allows other people, and in our lives, it allows other people to learn how to create that in their lives. They can learn little things. They may not be able to recreate it exactly the way you do, but they can learn how to create that, those moments in in their own lives and in their houses and in their families. So when Jesus walks into the room, he takes out fear and creates peace. Peace creates joy. You ever had to have have joy without having peace in the room? It's kind of tough. Having peace in your life will create joy. And that joy will overflow in other people's lives. And they'll ask you, why are you so joyful? Why do you have this? Why do you have what you have? It's because I have the peace of the Lord in my life. I have peace of God in my heart. It's in our family. It's in our house. Because we allow his peace to dwell there, it creates joy. Joy overflows and it affects other people. So create that culture in your home. Create that culture in your life so when people come into your life, they're like, I want to go back there. I want to sit with them. I want to hang out with them. I want to hear what they have to say. Whatever it is, they're going to either say, I don't want that or yes, I want that. You know, Like, oh, don't want that, life's crazy, or their life is together, they've got peace, they've got a good family, they're raising good kids, they're successful in marriage, living out a a Christian walk. And so when we think about this, we need to make the necessary adjustments to allow the atmosphere of heaven to be in our lives. Little things, little tweaks can adjust. Okay, so I was, I'm um, going we'll finish with this. So I was out uh, watering the garden. Sarah asked me to water the garden. Well, I turned on, the, we have a timer on our hose. So I turned the timer on and I'm like, why is there no water coming out? I'm like, what in the heck? So the faucet, the, the way our faucet is, is you either have to turn it all the way. It has to be completely straight up. Otherwise, barely anything comes out. Well, it was like this. And I'm like, what in the heck? I'm like, it's on. I've got the timer on. Just glanced at it real quick. And I realized that the flow, because it was like this instead of like this, almost everything was out. It was just a little trickle. I'm like, what in the heck? So I had to go back and look at it and say, okay, what do I need to change? I changed just a little micro change, 10 degrees, something like that. And it changed in the amount of, water that came out of the faucet. I know it's a stupid analogy, but it's when the water comes out of us, living water comes out of us, just a micro-adjustment can allow the maximum flow out of our lives. But it's that 10 degrees to the right that stopped me from watering the garden. It was like all over the cement, and I'm like, uh, that's not working. So I had to go back, just boom, and it immediately watered. So the micro-adjustments allow the flow of heaven to come out of us into the atmosphere around us, and it helps us create the atmosphere that God wants for our lives, our families, um, our workplaces, our homes, whatever it is. It's that micro-adjustment sometimes that just allows that flow to be opened up all the way. Let's pray.